Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org lost. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. All right, if you have been dreaming about speaking and sharing your story from the stage, this episode is for you, my friend, or even if you're just curious about that, like if that's that secret little dream that you have buried deep inside and you're like, yeah, psh, I could never do that. Think again. This episode is again for you. Today, I am talking with Jessica Radsell. She is a motivational speaker, a best-selling author, a public speaking strategist, and host of the Speak to Scale podcast. She partners with small business owners to craft stories and presentations that connect with their audience and convert from the stage. Jessica has shared her story of turning her mess into a message for over 14 years, and she has been featured on major international media outlets such as ABC's 2020, Katie Couric, The Guardian, MTV, Netflix, and much more. When Jessica was a freshman in college, she made a life-altering decision that resulted in the death of her best friend. In an effort to raise awareness, cope with her guilt, and keep her friend's memory alive, she began sharing her story. Jessica spoke to over 15,000 young adults across the country before she was sentenced to prison. By rewriting their stories, her clients are transforming what were once considered limitations into some of their greatest business assets. You guys, this episode is so full of wisdom. It's so inspiring, and it's also really full of practicals. It helps you understand what next step you should be taking if you want to get started with speaking or if you know you're supposed to be sharing your story, but don't really know quite how to do that. Jessica is unpacking all the things we need to know. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jessica. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Jessica, welcome to She. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I know you have so much to share with our audience. I get asked about speaking all the time. And so many women, I think at least women like us, have a story to share and want to put it out there and use their voice, but either feel a little worried about messing up or a little unsure as to how to even get started with that and how to go about it. So I would love to hear just to begin with, can you share a little bit of your story and how you got started with speaking and how that kind of led to what you're doing today? Absolutely. I don't love sharing my story, but I know it's so important because many of us like outside looking in, when we look at people who are speaking and doing incredible things, it can feel like that is so out of reach for me. Like I'm not made for that. So I just want to clear the air and make sure we all know, like I'm an introvert. I'm a big time INFJ introvert. (laughs) And I never wanted to be a public speaker. It was never something that was part of my plan. I was a freshman in college on a business scholarship, and I thought that I would go on to have a corporate job and 
sit in an office forever until I finally retired. But Mm -hmm. that's not what happened. Um, One Friday night in February of 2006, I went out with my best friend who I'd known since I was five years old. Mm -hmm. And we made a decision. And in that night, five minutes from her dorm room on our way home, there was an accident. And Laura was killed on impact in my driver's seat, in my passenger seat. And I was inches away from my own death. In a matter of moments, my entire world went from worrying about midterms, what I was going to major in, um, getting my homework done, to now wondering, how was I ever going to make it through this? How could I do this without her? How would I possibly wash this blood off my hands? And to find out I was going to be facing 10 and a half to 15 years in prison for this. Hmm. Like, you just don't know how to wrap your mind around it. You're not prepared for that. I was... I was 18 years old when this happened. So in my mind, like death was so far from reality Mm. and taking somebody else's life, like even further. Mm. But when this happened, it was about to be prom for high school students. And I had just graduated from high school, not even a year earlier. Mm. And there was just something in my gut that was saying, I was supposed to share this with them. Like I was supposed to get in front of these teenagers and tell them what happened that night, because I knew that the students in those seats felt invincible. Mm. They felt like this was just the story you see on the news. It wasn't real. It wasn't me. And I had sat in those seats just months before So I reached out to the school I had just graduated from and I asked if I could come talk and they let me Mm. and it was horrible. (laughs) I was reading it off a piece of paper and I cried through most of it, but nothing happened that year. Mm. Not one kid got in trouble. There was not one issue. I got so many phone calls from parents thanking me and it lit this fire in me. Like I started to see what was possible that if we were brave enough to Mm. get beyond our own fears and insecurities and if we stopped worrying about what other people would think we could physically change lives and save lives by sharing our own story and I went on to share my story to over 15,000 kids in just two years before I was eventually sentenced to prison and it was just crazy that none of this was part of my plan and you fast forward to today and not only do I still speak I I tell a different story now because I'm not the girl who was waiting to go to prison. I'm the woman who made it out the other side. Mm, but I have the honor of helping women, helping business owners share their stories in a way that still protects their heart, but allows them to make an impact for their audience. Mm, that's so powerful. What I, I always, you know, we've talked about this a few times before, but your story and what you've walked through and experienced is so powerful. And the way that you've taken ownership and use that to impact so many people and help them avoid things that you had to learn the hard way, you know, and things that, like you said, we can feel so, especially as young kids, they can feel so invincible too. And to take that and say, you know what, I have to make this good. Like I have to find good in this, even though it feels really bad. Um, And even to do that at such a young age is so inspiring and so necessary and and such an encouragement to me. And I think anyone who's ever experienced something hard or bad in their life, um, whether that was, you know, a choice of their own or done to them or both. So thank you for being so honest about that and so open with that story. I know that's not easy to share, but I also know how powerful and impactful it is. Um, from there, you know, I know there's a lot that goes into speaking. And so I love that you just said, Hey, I'm going to go back to where I have a network. I'm going to go back to my high school because I'm, that's where I can start. Right. Um, but if someone is get wanting to 
share their story or get started with speaking, what would you say to them as their very first step? Like when we want to share our message, we the most important piece to save you a lot of headaches and a lot of having to rework things is to figure out who it is that you're talking to. Who is it that you have been called to serve? Who is this person? Because there's so much stuff you could say. There's so much stuff you could share. You have so much knowledge in your head, so many things that you could say. But it's hard to figure out what that piece is going to be if we don't know who it is you're talking to. So for me, I knew that I wanted to speak to people that were just like Laura and I. I wanted to talk to high school seniors. I wanted to talk to college freshmen. I wanted to talk to girls in sororities. We weren't in sororities, but that was like us. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to people who I had walked in their shoes. Mm -hmm. So it's important to first figure out who that is. Who is our audience? If we are sharing a personal story, are these people who have been through something similar? Are these people who can benefit from um, our own journey? If we're sharing something that's more business related, are these people who are a few steps behind us? Are they our ideal clients? But when we can first figure out who it is that we're talking to, it's a lot easier to figure out what we're going to talk about, what opportunities to reach out to, and every other step that comes from there. But we've got to take the time to stay focused on our audience because that's going to also just help you eliminate all of those fears and uncertainties and kind of check your ego at the door and realize that yes, it's your story. Yes, it's your message, but it's all about what we're going to do for the people in those seats. Hmm. That's good. I love that you shared that. I think that's such an easy thing to overlook when you when you're really passionate about your story and and inspiring and serving and you know this dream, you can overlook that piece. And I think that's really key. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And 
I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients, and it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. You've, you've shared with me before that there are kind of three stages or I don't remember what you've called it levels maybe of speaking like the three stages of speaking. Can you speak into what those are? Just a quick summary, because I think at least from when I get asked questions about this a lot, it seems like there's this assumption that if you can just get a huge speaking event and just start speaking, you'll make a bunch of money. And I think understanding (laughs) how this actually works and how to use it strategically and use speaking as a tool can be really helpful to understand. So would you mind sharing that with us? Absolutely. I love to nerd out about this kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's very, it's everybody will come to me and you know they'll ask the same question of like, how do I find more speaking engagements or how do I get started? And I can't give you an answer with just that alone. I need to know a little bit more. So this, um, I call them the three tiers and I promise you one's not better than the other. I just am not good at naming things. So there with me. Tears, <laughs> whatever you yeah. want to call it. So there's just one, two, and three. We're real creative over here. <laughs> now, the reason for this is if if I ever meet with a client who's frustrated about speaking, they're not getting paid enough, they're not booking enough, their audience isn't doing what they ask, they don't feel like they're making the impact, it always 100% comes back to mismanaged expectations. So by figuring out where you fall into this mix and what your goals are, it allows you to manage those expectations and take steps according to where you are. So tier one, this is kind of like your pre-launch phase. This is for, this is type of speaking that is done with the intention to build your credibility. Right now, you may not have a product or a service to offer your audience. But maybe you're thinking that later on down the road, you want to write a book, you want to launch a clothing line, you want to create a coaching program, whatever it looks like, you're not quite there yet. But you know, that it's important for you to start building recognition and for people to see you as this go to person. So that is tier one speaking. Typically, this type of speaking is not paid. And you're not going to be making money on the back end from it. 
So it's really important to make sure that you're doing things close to home. You're not investing a ton of money in travel and you're staying focused from this mindset of this type of speaking is meant to build my credibility. So I don't want to burn myself out and say yes to tons of these opportunities, knowing I might not get a return on my investment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the second tier, tier two, this is more of your launch phase. You are very strategically speaking in order to make conversions. Speaking is a marketing tool for you. So if you have a book that you want to sell to your audience, or you have an online course that you want to sell to your audience, or you have a clothing line, whatever your product is, but your goal for speaking is to get in front of a room of your ideal clients and deliver a very strategic presentation that is going to get them to say heck yes to whatever it is you're offering. In this stage, you sometimes are going to get paid or get paid something for your time and travel because you're an industry expert. Like you know your craft, you have something valuable to share, but it's not going to be your big money maker on the front end. The majority of your income is going to be made on the back end in your sales. This is just like a lead generation tool or a great way to get an influx of income after your presentation. So for these types of talks, if you're like, yes, Jessica, that's exactly me. I want to um, explode my business with speaking. Then for you, the most important thing to focus on right now is getting to opportunities where your ideal clients are hanging out. Because even if you have the most amazing talk, if you're in front of the wrong people, hmm. it's not going to convert. Hmm. Now, tier three, this is like the coveted tier that everybody wants to run and jump to. This is more for cash flow. This is when you're getting paid upfront for your time to go deliver a presentation and just really serve your audience and blow the expectations out of the water. But this part, <laughs> you need to be an expert at your craft before you can do this. You need to have a clear message. You need to have really built your credibility. So you you do want to start with tier one. Now, the part that most people will not tell you is if you're a tier three speaker, even if you're getting paid up front for your time, you should still have a conversion goal. Your goal should be to book more speaking engagements at everyone you go to. So if I'm going to go speak at this school and they're going to pay me to come in, I want to make sure that I'm using that opportunity to book three more. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to keep this consistent role of paid speaking engagements coming in. But you just can't jump in and say, hey, I think I have a great message to share. I haven't tested it yet. I have no proof of concept. But please pay me $10,000 right. for an hour. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. I love how you break that down because I think it's so important to understand the way that you kind of move through these phases of, of speaking. And, you know, it, it applies to anything. If you're interested in coaching, very rarely, you know, you can do it a variety of different ways. But I've always heard it explained that it's really helpful to start, like, work with someone one-on-one, -on -one, ideally in person, so you can learn the ropes, so that you can build that credibility, you can get those results. Then you can move into doing maybe group coaching virtually. And then maybe from there you so understanding that it doesn't have to feel like you have to climb the mountain in a day but understanding first I need to build my credibility then I need to learn how to convert right that second stage and then mm -hmm. I can actually be at that place where I often we often always think about someone who's a speaker we think tier three or stage three like that's what we go to and we go oh that's what I want to do and that's great if you know that's what you're working toward but I don't know about you Jessica but in my own experience it took me 
five years to get to that point where I was like, okay, I'm actually in tier three, maybe more than five. Yeah, about five years of experience. Like first I did a lot of free, local, you know, very low paid things if I was paid at Mm -hmm. all just to build that credibility to speak. I would speak on college campuses to sorority women. A lot of times it was just my travel was covered if I was going to be going, you know, less locally. Um, And then eventually that kind of evolved into stage two where then I would sell books and sweatshirts and things like that when I was on campus, but I wasn't getting paid a whole lot to be there. That's what was actually like covering a lot of our expenses. And then from there, after having enough video footage and photos and clarifying the message and realizing, you know, okay, what am I actually going to focus on here? That's where I was able to eventually pivot into kind of more of stage three, but I still do some of the stage two at times, you know, knowing your goal for a type of event that you're going to take on is really, really important. And I don't think we think about that because we think of the glamorous and glitzy and cool side of speaking and not the (laughs) practical strategic side. Of it. 100%. And I think what you said right there is so important to remember that we need to look at each opportunity individually and identify like, what is this? Mm-hmm. What is my intention for this talk? Like, am I like, I, I agree. I'm right there with you. I do tier two and tier three presentations. But mm-hmm. before I say yes to something, I need to figure out what that's going to look like for me. Because that that gives you a really a framework to know how you're going to approach the talk. Is there stuff that you need to do ahead of time? Do you need to make sure you have an offer set up? Um, Is all of that taken care of? Are you getting paid? Like all of those details are no longer a stressor when you know exactly how it's going to fit into your life and into your business. And I'm the same way. I started not getting paid for my time. This was just a mission that was so important to me that I wanted to go do it. In fact, I spent my college savings to go out and give these talks Hmm. because I knew that my time was limited and it was only a matter of time before I was going to have to take a break Hmm. and I wanted to make as big of an impact as I could. And eventually, just like you, I started getting paid for my travel to make up those costs. And I remember the very first time I told an organizer that they were going to have to pay me to come talk. It brought up all kinds of feelings Mm -hmm. because I had this mental block around I was it was my story. Why would somebody pay for a story of something that I did, hmm. of something bad that I did. And I had to work through this to realize that's not why they're bringing me in. They're not bringing me in for my story. They're bringing me in for the difference this is going to make for their students. Hmm. They're bringing me in to save their students' lives. This isn't about me. Hmm. And once I could detach from my own ego and insecurities around that, the easier it became to say, hey, this is how much this program costs to bring it to your school. Hmm. And the first time I got paid for a speaking engagement is probably the best talk I ever gave because now there was this level of pressure feeling like they allocated a portion of their budget for this talk. I had to knock it out of the park. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I want to ask this question because we're all wondering it. Uh, As you talk about, you know, first, the first time you're pricing yourself for speaking, I have friends reach out and ask this all the time as they're getting started and, you know, maybe well they'll, they'll get a message and say something like, what do you charge to speak? And they're like, uh, I never have. I don't know. You know, and they have to sound <laughs> yes. all official like, um, well, you know, so I want to know how does someone know what to even charge when they begin speaking for pay, when they actually get those opportunities that are able to pay them or willing to pay them? Okay, so I've got, I've got, you grab a pen. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to tell you what to say. Um, so the first thing I do want to let you know is that pricing for speaking is all across the board. 
I'm talking like $100 to $100,000. Like it is so different Mm -hmm. based on your industry, based on who you're talking to, like from business to business, from school to school, there's still going to be a lot of variation. Mm -hmm. And my take on this is very specific. I treat speaking and I teach all of my students and clients to treat speaking as a boutique business. You are custom creating something for these people and you're going to handle them with care. It's not a buy now button on my website with a blanket price for everyone. I'm going to meet their needs and hope that they can meet mine as well. Hmm. So I go into it with the expectation. It's not one price, but there is I, before I ever jump on that call, Okay, I should back up. I don't answer that question in an email. So if you get that question in your inbox, it's typically somebody emailing you that's like, hey, I found your stuff online. I would love to have you come speak at our event, our conference, whatever. How much does it cost? Right? Mm -hmm. They're price shopping. I don't respond to that because I know nothing in order to give them a quote. I know no information about why they're hosting this event. Is it a part of something bigger? Am I the only speaker? Am I one of 50 speakers? I don't know any of that. So I quickly respond. I've got a handy dandy can template for it. (laughs) Um, That I respond and I schedule a call with them. I let them know that I am so honored that they thought of me for this event. And I would love to learn more about their vision for it. So we could figure out how we can work together on this. So I schedule a call. I schedule a call within just a few days. In fact, I have this set up as an automation in my CRM. So if a speaking request comes in, they automatically get an email to schedule a call with me. And when I'm on this call, I am not here to tell them how awesome they are, how awesome I am and how great this talk is going to be. I'm here to listen and gather as much information as possible. I want to know why they're doing this, why it's important, why they're bringing me in. Because my presentation is not something that's lighthearted and fun. I'm not here to amp up the crowd. Mm -hmm. I'm typically speaking on something that's very deep. And if they have found me to come talk, there's something wrong. There's something that's happening at this school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to let them tell me about that. And then I ask the magic question, which just need to ask the question. I let's ask them, what range in budget were you hoping to stay within on this project? Mm -hmm. And it's not to like say, show me your cards. How much can you give me? But it's to understand where we're at. Mm -hmm. I need to know, are we talking about a thousand dollars or $10,000? Because that's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I know how to navigate it from there. Going into that call, I have thresholds. I know how much I need to be paid in order to leave the state. To give a presentation on the East Coast costs me a lot less than to give a presentation on the West Coast because I'm in Florida. So I have like a sliding scale, so to speak, of what I can do. But I don't know how to introduce that information to them if I don't first know their starting point. So I always, 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 without fault, ask them the range in budget so that I know how to communicate and work with them. Um, I definitely don't want to, you know, tell somebody who has a thousand dollar budget that it's going to be $10,000. And I 100% don't want to tell somebody with a $10,000 budget, it's going to be a thousand dollars. So I take the time to find out their needs before I turn around and give them a proposal for what that can look like. But if you're starting out and you don't know what that sliding scale is going to look like for you, I want to challenge you to do some math. I hate math. But figure out <laughs> yeah. how much it's going to cost you to give the talk because we're we don't want to get caught in this vanity metric of oh 
X amount of dollars makes me feel good or like X mm-hmm. amount of dollars sounds successful, but instead, how many days out of office is this going to be? How much is this travel going to cost me? Do I have to get a dog sitter? Do I have to get childcare? Do I, mm-hmm. you know, what are all of these little pieces that we forget about? In fact, I have a whole, me, we got to yeah. eat. I don't yeah. know about you. I want lots of coffee on this trip. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of other stuff to factor in. Mm-hmm. I can give you a link. I've got a whole thing of like 23 questions you need to ask before you say yes to something for speaking. Um, because there's just a lot of these that we forget about it until we're in the thick of it. And we're swiping our personal card, mm-hmm. wondering why this wasn't factored into everything. Yeah. Yep. I've been there. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> then you're like, huh, maybe I need to maybe I need to think about this a little more. No, I love that you shared that. And actually, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think what I want to just drill into to anybody who's listening right now, I want to drill into your mind. You are allowed to ask the question what is the budget for this event? Like, what are you hoping for? Because just like Jessica said, that's not like trying to make them show their hands or be nosy. And they don't have to tell you exactly. But if they give you a range, you can see, are we even close to the same ballpark? If it's like, hey, we're willing to pay you $1,000 and you you know your costs are going to be at least $3,000, that's just not going to work even if the event sounds great. Unless you have something that you know and they allow you to sell on the back end, right? Again, it depends on what phase you're operating in right now or what tier you're operating in. So just keep that in mind, you know, when you're thinking about moving between phase two and three and you're trying to figure out what to actually price quote someone. I love that you said, I hop on a call or I have an assistant hop on a call or whatever that looks like for you, whatever phase you're in, I think is so important. And I I think we feel awkward asking like, what is your, I mean, when I first started getting paid to speak a little bit more consistently and generously, if you will, um, one of the things that when that was first getting started, one of the things that we actually put on our speaker inquiry form, which I don't know if this is the best place to put it, but it helped us field things a lot better was (laughs) what's your price budget? What's the price range for your, or what's the budget range that you have or something like that. And then we had like a a checkbox of like 1000 to 5,000, 5,000 to 10,000. Like we put those. And if they didn't check one of those, we were, that's when, you know, someone would hop on a call. But if they did check one and it was totally too low from what I needed, we said, okay, this event's just not going to be sustainable, even though it sounds great. And that helped us know ahead of time, rather than having these expectations that, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is a dream event. It's amazing. Oh, now I'm going to go into debt for doing this, right? So I think asking that question isn't rude if you do it in the right way. One, absolutely. Like you think about if you're going to buy furniture, if you're going to work with a realtor to buy a house, if you're going into any store, um, that salesperson is going to ask you questions to best fit you with the product for your needs. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with speaking. You, You or your salesperson on your team needs to take the time to figure out what they actually need. Otherwise, you're just shoving information at them. And that's not serving them well. Hmm. So even if a budget, their price point, like their budget doesn't meet your needs, maybe you can do a virtual presentation instead. Maybe you can refer it to a friend of yours Mm -hmm. who is closer and able to make that work. It doesn't have to be a hard no, but it's not going to be a heck yes. So we need to figure that kind of stuff out before we start shoving information at them. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Okay. I want to, I want to switch gears here a little bit because I want to ask, um, 
not so much about pricing, but more about messaging. Um, mm-hmm. How can one define their message if they want to speak about a lot of things? I have a lot of gals in this in this community who feel like they're they're really drawn to a lot of things. They're passionate about a lot of things. They have a variety of different parts of their story that they'd love to share. How do we find some focus in getting started? There is so much you could talk about. <laughs> this is probably the hardest part of the whole process is just to figure out which direction you're going to run in so that you can run. But I want you to think about, remember, keeping these tiers in mind, where is it that you envision your life and your business in the next one to three years? Because speaking is a long game. And you might be getting booked for an engagement today that's not happening for months from now. So we want to be speaking on topics that are setting you up for the path you're going down. And if you know that you want to launch this store or create this product or write this book, we need to start working on those tier one presentations now Mm. so that you can be the credible resource when it is developed. So Mm. with that in mind, I would take a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and then on the right side of the paper, I want you to write out if you have an existing business, write all the ways that money comes into your business. What are all of your streams of revenue? If you don't have one, but you have a vision of sharing your story in a book or creating some sort of a resource for people, write down what you what you envision those revenue streams becoming. Then on the left side of the paper, write down all of the ideas, all the things that you could talk about, the things that light you up, the things your people are asking for, the things that you have experience in, the things that you just like keep you up at night because you're so fired up about them. Mm. Now, I want you to go through these revenue streams and these speaking topic ideas and draw a line. Where is the connection point from this idea, this topic that I have in mind? Does it point back to a, rev- a stream of revenue? Can I talk about this and direct people to something that's going to generate money for myself and for my family and for my business? Hmm. If it doesn't, table that topic to later. Don't throw it away. It might be something that we revisit. But we want to start with the topics that are going to pave the path to something that provides for you. Because as somebody who was speaking tons of time a month without making that money back, you reach a point where you hit burnout Mm -hmm. or you reach a point where you have to make the tough call. For me, when I first came home from prison, I was working in a restaurant and I was realized very quickly when I take, when I go speak, I have to take time off work. When I take time off work, I don't get paid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a problem. Right. <laughs> There's no way that I could serve the people that I want to serve from the stage and provide for my family. And I had to find a way to make it work. So rather than hitting that roadblock later, I want you to start paving a path now that will set you up for success down the road. So let's figure out what is the end goal for your conversion, so to speak. Or is it to get paid at the end? Is it to write a book? Is it to have a coaching program? Is it to create products? And what can you speak on now to start building the credibility, eventually convert after the stage and then be paid for your time? Hmm. So good. So good. I love that you shared that because there's so many things. (laughs) So many things. And I know we can just feel like, oh, I just want to help people with all the things. And we let our emotions take over. And this is something that I'm so passionate about helping women with this because it's something that I've done wrong. It's something that, you know, it's like, oh, I love everything and I love everyone. 
And I want to help them with their relationships and I want to help them with their faith and I want to help them with their work. I want to help them with everything. And I was like, I got to a point where I was like, I cannot be the everything girl. Like that's just not sustainable, especially early on in your career. Like you just can't start that way. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to run yourself ragged and you're going to be a little bit confusing to people. And so when I, and if we're being honest, your, your contact is going to forever be watered down. Yeah. Yeah. Until you like decide to just run in one direction, Mm -hmm. you you can't perfect it. Totally. And I think, you know, when you do that, you actually play the long game. And it's ironic because you feel like you're limiting yourself. I think yes. we think about, oh, I want to inspire people. And so you think I want to inspire them in everything because if I limit it, then I feel like I'm in a box. And I'm, and it's not that you're limiting it forever. You're limiting it to get some leverage to move forward. Then you can expand it from there. And when I kind of realized that, it's not that I, you know, stopped talking about things that I was you know, that were important to me, but I stopped talking about them in terms of selling them. And I think this is a really important thing to understand when you're trying to define your message and feel free to speak into this, Jessica. But one way I describe this is if you almost think of like uh, a, a big circle, okay, this big circle embodies all the all the people that you could serve because they're probably a lot like you, right? I have this niche market, but it's still a pretty broad market. Some of them are business owners, some of them are nurses, some of them are doctors, whatever. But I know that when it comes to the services and the things that I can sell specifically through things like speaking and whatnot, I said, I have to get a little bit more specific on my focus as to what services and products I'm providing. Because if I'm trying to serve everyone, I'm not going to be serving no one or it's not going to be serving anyone. And so I always try to look at it like I have this bigger circle of people that I can serve through my free content and some of the things that I just talk about as a human, right? Think about like Oprah. She talks about a variety of things. That's fine. None of us just start with as Oprah though, even if that's your big dream. (laughs) So if you can kind of zero in and say, okay, there's this big circle, but within that circle is a smaller, more focused circle. And that's who, that's who I'm selling to. That's what I'm selling on, right? That's where my expertise is. That's where my message is. That's kind of my clarity, my clarifying focus. doesn't mean you're not going to touch other people's lives who don't need that, right? It doesn't mean you're not going to inspire people who aren't interested in that. But if you can hone in what it is that you're selling from your speaking services to your, your book content to you know, your products and services, like that is going to help you feel like you have a focus without feeling like you can never talk about other things that insp- that that matter to you. It just doesn't mean you're going to sell um, yourself as a speaker on those subjects, right? I don't sell myself as a speaker on all things relationships and all things, you know, I, I don't do that. I, I focus in on a certain topic. Would you, would you agree? Do you think that makes sense? Absolutely. Especially when you think about from a speaking standpoint, Mm -hmm. when an organizer is looking to bring in a speaker, when they're looking to hire a speaker, they're looking for subject matter experts. They want you to have a tried, tested, proven method for getting people from point A to point B, whether that's getting people over their hurdles, inspiring them to take action, doing something very technical, whatever it happens to be for you, they want to see you as the go-to expert on XYZ or whatever your subject is. And the more laser focused we can be on that and having the signature talk, the more likely we are to get these incoming speaking requests and Mm. to really stand out from the noise. Mm. So good. So good. Um, Okay. That leads me to ask a ton of questions, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to, I want to honor your time here too, but um, I want to know you, you just, you just touched on this and this is why I want to talk about it. You said getting someone from point A to point B. 
And we've talked about this before off air. Um, and you've shared with me about how we really need to have something in place. This kind of goes back to phase two, I think is a great example. I keep calling it a phase tier. You call it a tier. Um, tier two as, <laughs> as, as, as an example. Um, but you, you shared with me one time what someone must have in place when they speak, the importance of kind of a next step for an audience, right? You want to, in that talk, get them from a point A to a point B. And you've shared with me the importance of having kind of a next step for them. Can you dig into that a little bit? Yes. So I'm such a nerd, guys. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, (laughs) So all talks, no matter if it's a tier one, two, or three talk, if it's a virtual presentation, if it's a webinar, if it's a live stream, if it's a social media post, I don't care what it is, if it's a podcast episode, if you really want it to convert, which I want you to make it convert, there should be four parts to your talk. First, you've got to hook them in. We've got to get them to buy in because they're not going to stick around for the rest if they don't feel a reason to be here. Then you're going to build your case for why this subject is important to them, whatever the thing may be. Then there's your point and your opportunity to really serve from the stage, to give them some action, some tangible stuff, teach them something. Um, And then finally, we leave them with this lasting impact. And in that lasting impact section, we are going to help them figure out what to do next in their life to start taking action. Because we don't we are not in the business of talking at people, we're in the business of delivering transformations. Mm -hmm. And the only way to deliver a transformation is to get your audience to do something. If they don't change anything, there's no transformation. Mm -hmm. So that means for you to deliver transformation and for you to have a smart funnel set up in your business, we have to clearly define what that next step is going to be for our audience. What can they do after the talk in order to start getting results right away? Typically, this is going to be some sort of an opt-in or a low-priced offer for you. But if you remove the business strategy for a second and just look at them human to human, what would help somebody start implementing what they've learned from you? Do they need to go have a conversation with somebody? Do they need to go map out this new thing? Do they need to make a phone? What is it that they can do? And if you can turn that action step into a first step in your business through an opt-in or an offer, you're going to help them have an incredible transformation but you're also going to start to move them into your business and speaking becomes this massive runway for all of your products and services. Hmm. So good. So good. Okay. One other thing that you had touched on a minute ago that I wanted to ask is you talked about when there's an event host um, and mm-hmm. you know, they have a specific need. Can you give just a little bit of maybe advice or just a tip on pitching yourself to event hosts when you're first getting started? What are they looking for? Yes. Okay. So you have a podcast. I'm sure you get all kinds of pitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good, bad, and ugly. And we, the biggest thing we want to do is check our ego at the door. And you're going to have to do this time and time again as a speaker. I don't know a better way to say it, but there is so much ego involved with speaking. And if you can keep that in check, you're going to be so far ahead of your competition. But when we are approaching an organizer about speaking, whether we're going to be the only speaker there or we are on a lineup of a bunch of different speakers, we really want to put ourselves in their shoes. And remember that every time we step on a stage, we have two clients to serve. That's the organizer who's booking us and the audience members. 
we want to make sure that we are benefiting both of them, that this is a mutually beneficial experience for everybody involved. So with that, we're going to put ourselves in the organizer's shoes and realize that they're probably stressed out. They're worried about Mm -hmm. selling seats to their event or getting people to show up or making sure the audience is engaged. And rather than focusing this conversation around why I'm so amazing and all the awesome things I've done, shift that conversation to, I understand like the work that you're doing here is so important. And I wanna show you how this can really just benefit your audience even more. Let me show you the difference this is gonna make for them because that allows the organizer to see what this will look like on their stage because they are, when they let a speaker step onto their stage, like that's an extension of them and their brand and their business or their organization. Mm -hmm. They're kind of stepping out on a limb by bringing you in. So the best thing you can do is just really ease their nerves by painting the picture of the difference you're gonna make for the audience. So when somebody walks into that room, what are they going through? Are they stressed out? Are they worried? Do they have a problem they over want to overcome? Do they have goals they want to achieve? What's the before state of your audience? Mm-hmm. And after you give your talk, when you're done, how are you leaving them? Are you leaving them better than before? I really hope so. Yeah. <laughs> but have they, is there something that they learned? Is there something they can do that they couldn't do before? Have they overcome a hurdle? Have they broken through some blocks? Whatever this, when you can focus on the transformation you create in that room, how can an organizer say no? Like they want to bring that in. Hmm. Hmm. So good. You know, I really agree with that because sometimes I get podcasts just for um, example's sake. Sometimes I'll get a request to be interviewed on the podcast and the ones that come in and they're like, hey, I really love blah, blah and blah. And I think your show is great and I would love to be on it. And I think it would be awesome to get to talk with you and things like that. I'm kind of like, Eh, hard pass. Um, you sound yes, great, but like I don't here's know. Here's all the places I've been. This is why I'm so awesome. Yeah, this like I've been many. featured on so and so and so and so and so and so. And I, I always care. my whole thing is like I don't care about bringing big names on my podcast because I look at no. it like here's the deal. I, I mean, why would they listen on my podcast to this person if they can listen to them on a hundred other podcasts and on TV and on their other like? To me, I'm like that's never been my agenda. My agenda is what are you an expert on and what problem can you solve for my people? What what question can you answer? If that's not immediately clear to me, the answer is no. You might be an awesome person. I bet we'd enjoy coffee together. I'm not having you on my podcast. And I'm just straight up about that. And I think once I've understood it from the, from the perspective of a host and from a perspective of someone who has precious time, who has to serve a community well, that allows me to think more strategically about what value I can offer to someone that I'm speaking to, right? Or to a host that I'm speaking for. And so, like I said, on the flip side, when I get when I get podcast request, interview requests that are like, hi, I'm so-and-so, this is my background, and this is the problem I solve for people, here are three potential um, titles for, epi- for an episode that I can speak to, um, or like three topics that I can provide solutions to for your audience, and here's some potential titles for each one. That immediately, it gives me something to go, oh, we need something like that. We haven't had one like that. And I select it and I can immediately say, yes, I don't care how many followers they have. I don't, I, I mean, I want to always do a little backend research to make sure that our values are somewhat aligned and whatnot, but it's so much more valuable to me and to my team when we can say, oh, this person can speak on overcoming debt. This person can speak to how to get started as a speaker. Like there is a clear, tangible solution they can provide. They don't have to be, you know, (laughs) Oprah, right? So I just, I think understanding that as someone who's providing content and messaging, and I learned that a lot through even just seeing what my publicity or um, my publicist did when I was being pitched for for other people's podcasts with my book. So 
All that said, I just want to reemphasize that and say that as a host and as someone who contributes to other people's shows as well as their live events, it helps me have a different understanding of the importance of making it about clear clarity on here's what I can provide to your community because it's about your community. So doesn't mean it can't play into your strategy, but you need to make that the priority and that makes it a lot easier to pitch yourself. So I'm really glad that you explained that because it is sometimes hard. You think, oh, but I don't have all these, you know, qualifications and all of these, I don't have, you know, features in Forbes yet, you know, and it's like, you don't need that. You need a clear message. Yeah, I'm also going to tell you that I, you know, yeah, now I've been on any TV show you can think of, ABC 2020, Katie Mm -hmm. Couric, MTV, Netflix, Mm -hmm. anything. But when I first started speaking, I was the girl headlining the newspaper with the word murderer next to my name. Mm. So if we want to talk about having zero credibility, that was Mm. me. Mm. The only way to combat that is to focus on your people Mm. and what difference are you going to make? Because the credibility part is important. Yes. That's what kind of seals the deal when somebody's like, yes, I love this topic. Why are you the person to talk about this topic? Mm -hmm. But the first thing they want to know is, does my audience need this? Mm. So, Good. So good. Sorry. No, it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I don't want to take too much more of your time. You've already given us so much value and wisdom and great next steps. Where can everyone find you if they want to learn more or really kickstart their speaking career? So if you are like to nerd about speaking strategy as much as I do, um, I would say come follow, come listen to the Speak to Scale podcast where I'm always teaching all these things. And Since we've talked about so many different things today, from figuring out your topics to how to like vet an opportunity, I'm going to put all of these resources together in one spot for you. So if you go to the publicspeakingstrategist.com forward slash Jordan, I'll put them all in one spot and then you can have like all of your first steps to getting started. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. You guys go check her out. Go grab that. Jessica, you're the best. You are. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.